welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension. Welcome, everyone. We're excited to have you on today. Tonight, today we're going to be talking about um, should we be saving for our kids' education or should we be saving for retirement? So this is one of our first feuds in a long time, and I'm really excited to actually feud about it on the podcast today, but I'm going to let my co-hosts introduce themselves. So Kathy, if you want to go first. Hi, this is Kathy Sweetler, and I work out of um, East Central Illinois. And yeah, this would this can easily be a family feud, and I do speak from experience. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Kamaya Walls Bishart. I'm happy to be on for another great topic. And just like my colleagues here, I'm excited to deep dive in this discussion. And as usual, this is Sasha Grabenstetter, and I'm here to just kind of take us on today's roller coaster ride of feuds. So um, this really started uh, in my household, as I announced on our last podcast, I am pregnant with our second child. And so this conversation has been going on in my house between my spouse and I of, you know, getting ready to start saving for baby number two and, and its life costs and its education and all those things. And my husband and I have a very different viewpoint on, on it, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but I wanted to ask Kathy and Kamaya before we get started, like what were their experiences in paying for college? Like how does that influence like how you handle or are handling your children's college? Well, my paying for college, we, we, we all know that goes back a few years. So like for myself, <laughs> and I will say that, I was in that lucky generation where essentially if I worked, you know, retail over the summer that I could pay, I could pay for probably my tuition and my books the next year. And, uh, you know, and that, and that, that's, that's not today's world for most post-secondary education opportunities. So, you know, so it's really changed, but so, but I was expected to work in the summers and during the school year and, con- and, you know, contribute towards those college expenses. So whether it paid for everything or it paid for part of it, and then, cer- and then, you know, I had a minimum amount my parents would give me to help with, you know, rent and things. And I think that's too, one of those things too, we, we talk about college expenses and, you know, housing is, and food is usually at least around 50% of that cost. So it's true. Kamaya? And uh, yeah, I guess for me. So I a little bit of backstory. I'm gonna take you back a little bit. So I moved to the US from Jamaica to start college. And of course, just very excited about um, you know, starting college in a new country, but I didn't fully understand um how I was going to be paying for college. So I moved with family and trying to figure that out with family. So um, some family had some college knowledge, but not too much. So I had to kind of deep dive into understanding um, a little bit more about paying for college and what I would need to do. So I'm working with my family to take out like student loans and having like mm-hmm. co-signers. So the, that's how I kind of started with that. But Um, I had a very vigilant aunt who kind of helped guided me through the process of understanding that, okay, you are borrowing this money and you got to pay it back. There's going to be interest on this money that you need to pay back. So just, just learning, um, 
kind of from her and um, through school, like going through like financial aid to understand a little bit more about um, what the requirements were. So just um, through school, just using um, student loan. And I worked multiple jobs um, while I was going to school. Um, some of them, are, I have some very fond memories, some not so much, <laughs> but uh, uh, multiple jobs. And one of the decisions I made while I was going to school, because I had private loans as an international student. So I decided to to pay on my loan while I was in school. So I made some decisions there, um, which ended up working well for me. It doesn't always work that well for everybody, depending mm-hmm. on your situation. But um yeah, coming into a new country, just learning the system and be like, I really want to pursue this. So I'm going to figure out a way to to pay for this and and work my way through college. So that's kind of my first experience. Okay. Those are good experiences. I think I have a very different experience. I'm just going to say that outright. I was very fortunate. My father was a physician and always promised me and my siblings that they he would pay for college. So I was told a number, like a a number, how much he would pay up to, and it was taken care of. There could be some debate about whether I felt like my college experience was worth my time sometimes, you know, like, did I feel like I should have done better in some courses? Yes. But was I paying for it? No. So I'll feel that a little bit sometimes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I was very fortunate in that. So you know, that's, that's kind of leads into my other question about like, how are you handling it or handled it for your children? So whoever wants, I was like, Kathy, if you want to go first, how you handled it with your, with your sons. Well, I think this comes back to my word of the year, which is flex. So I guess that's been my word of the year for a while is you start out with a plan. And I have three sons who were all in college at the same time. And, uh, you know, we started out with a plan and then we found that sometimes what you think is going to happen changes. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, we did have them put aside money, like all through high school towards for saving for college when they were working in the summers and things. Um, And we started out with this idea that once you kind of get settled in school, then you will be working during the school year. It just didn't work out so well. And my, you know, my husband pointed out, like, if they have to work during the school year and they're making this amount of money, it's going to take them an extra year and that's going to cost us money. And Mm. so I was like, oh, well, that doesn't, you know, from an economic point of view, that doesn't really make (laughs) sense. So, you know, we had to, we had to like, think about it then instead of like this general rule of how it'll be done for each son and what made sense at what point. And so a lot of our kind of best laid plans had to be modified as we went. So yes, they did definitely contribute, but college costs were more. So, you know, their percentage was probably smaller, but they did get, you know, get some scholarships and and fellowships. But then of course, sometimes when you get them one year, you don't get them the next year. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things that we learned as we went. I will say that. So right now we have a 15-year-old and an eight-year-old. And this is a conversation that my partner and I had before um, we even got married about wanting to contribute to our kids' education if we did have children, um, because our experiences were us paying for school, 
and on, and also just value in like the help that we would get from family. Because even though we were paying our tuition, paying for our education um, through loans, um, we also got a lot of help from family for different things, whether it was a car, um, help with like paying your phone bills, just other things and how important that was to help us make it through school. So we wanted, of course, definitely to kick it up a notch for our kids um, to definitely help contribute um, to like their education and, you know, starting like savings accounts, um, looking into like 529 plans, and then finally being able to contribute to that. So we really, really wanted to help because we understood the struggle and also the benefit of having like a little bit of help when you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure out life. Oh, and sometimes you think you have it all figured out, but you really don't. So having a little bit of financial backing, a little bit of help, even if it's not um, covers everything, just having like that support. So, so very important. I was going to say, and I think that's the critical thing too, is that like when you're in your twenties, you do make mistakes. We all do. And so, you know, sometimes if somebody has no financial support from any other family member or any other source other than what they've got, they're right on the line there. Those kind of mistakes, even if they're not that big in the big picture of things, that can mean that they have to drop out of school. So being able to stay flexible and have some savings so that, you know, if somebody does, you know, drop their laptop or what, you know, whatever, you know, that you've got that flexibility to help out, that can be a big deal. For sure. I was just gonna say, we have a four-year-old. And again, you heard me say like, this is something that my partner and I argue about a lot. My spouse had half of his um, undergraduate paid for. So the other two years were paid with loans. So it was very different for him than the gift that I was given. So for him, he has a very different viewpoint on all of this. He also has a very different viewpoint on retirement than I do sometimes. <laughs> so I guess he, you know, he is a financial planner. So we have that in, uh, in common that we're going to have the same degree, but you know, um, this is something that we have like an internal struggle with about. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear what your viewpoints were and share them with our audience as they're listening and kind of see what they, what they think about it too, because this is something that I think a lot of families are struggling with. Right. Kamaya kind of mentioned 529 plans. And this is kind of the point where we're going to talk about like the differences between like saving for retirement versus saving for your kids college. So we're just kind of like, like talk about um, 529 plans and just saving for your kids in general, just quickly. And then we'll talk a little bit more about retirement and then we'll have like kind of the big feud, I guess. So, cause I'm excited about that part of it today. Um, yes. Yes. I'm ready for the feud. I'm ready for like <laughs> all of De- um, Kathy's devil advocate, like coming out. I'm like ready for it. She's smiling. You can't see that on screen, but she's like, I'm ready. Sasha. I'm ready for this battle today. You know, I'm always ready for an argument. I'll just yes. take whatever side that gives us the best argument. <laughs> <laughs> and I know this about Kathy. I've, I've been with Kathy a long time. So, or we've been colleagues for a long time. I should say that. So I'm looking forward to it, but you know, um, I think even if you're just looking to save for your kids, a basic savings account can work. So I know that there are some people who are really afraid of putting their money into, you know, any kind of investment account. Mm-hmm. But I think whether it's a piggy bank, heck, piggy banks are great. Um, we love piggy banks. I love piggy banks. And I think that's a great way to get started. And then if you want to kind of take it up a notch, I guess, is uh, taking is, is to save into a 529 plan. So 
just to kind of give you a definition, because as Kamaya always states, we love definitions. We love to tell you, we love to tell you what things are. So a 529 plan is a college savings plan. That's a type of investment account that can be used for higher education savings and is usually sponsored by a state. So the name of the 529 comes from the section of uh, 529 from the IRS tax code, which is kind of boring. So let's not talk any more about that. But this gives um, special tax breaks to encourage savings for education. So here in Illinois, we have two plans. We have brightstart.com, which is a self-managed plan by the parent. So that's something that you can do on your own. You can set it up, put it together, and then you can put your investment options that way. Or you can go into Bright Directions, um, which is advisor-guided and is the advisor is making sure is taking care of the investments for that account. So it's really up to you which one you'd like. If you live in Illinois, or um, as Kathy is probably going to point out here in just a minute that you know every state has a 529 plan. So maybe if you don't live in Illinois, maybe you want to do your state, or maybe you want to find a state that works best for you. Yeah. So what, one of the things when we were looking at 529 plans, of course, it was a while back, and they were newer and you know, you can compare them and you can see how they're managed, what their fees are, what your options are. And you may find that the one that's offered where you live doesn't fit your needs or isn't a great plan for fees or something. And you can definitely do them in another state. Now, some states have really gone with some um, benefits for residents and they can end up affecting your taxes, especially your state taxes, not so much your federal, but your state taxes. So when you're making those decisions, you want to look for that and then maybe talk to a tax advisor to see how does this really, does it affect you depending on your tax situation and does it make a very much of a difference? But we are talking about if you start with a child, like, you know, before they're born or right after they're born, we're, we're talking about a long-term savings. So it's, you know, could be easily be 15 to 18 to 20 years. So the benefits of getting some of those compounded returns do add up. So even when you start with the savings, like with piggy banks and saving accounts, which is great, you know, if it starts to add up, you may want to look at getting better returns on it. Definitely. That's a great point, Kathy. Come on, you look at, I can't something to add. You no, I was going to add in the beginning of um, what Kathy was saying too with, I'm um, like the state pieces because a lot of family situations are different now. I know we're still in the middle of pandemic, but say, for example, I have, um, you know, talked to people who are graduate students and they do have children and they're trying to figure out what their next steps are going to be and which state they're going to be living in or other family situation where people are moving. So I'm trying to figure out like, what's the best option for them, but they want to start saving. Mm -hmm. So looking in to see like what the best options are for you as you're exploring like your state's option or places that you're kind of dreaming of where you would like to be. So just wanted to add that. No, that's a good piece. That's a definitely a good piece. Um, I just want to let people in Illinois know that um, you can deduct contributions made to your Illinois 529 plan. So this is um, contributions deducted from your state taxes. It's on $10,000 per individual taxpayer and up to $20,000 per married couple filing joint. So just a, um, a good thing for those who do live in Illinois, who are listening to us from Illinois. But again, if you are in a different state or maybe your kid has their heart set on being in California or Texas, maybe that one, that plan might be better for you depending on for your child. So it just depends. So 
good things I think to one of the about. cool things about a 529 is it gives you know other family members if um that if they want to contribute mm-hmm. a way to yes. easily do it mm-hmm. um and so you know that and it is kind of in that child's name too so mm-hmm. you know i think that is something that is very appealing to families at times that's actually so, something that um, I started with with my son is that every um, birthday and, you know, holiday, we actually used to ask for donations to his 529 plan that kind of backfired with a sibling or two. But um, we do have a few siblings who are like loyal and especially my older siblings who do have children in college right now. They always tell me, Stacia save as much money as you can for their college. Um, and so then they're like, here, here's some money for your son, for his, for his education, which is really nice. And I really, I really, really appreciate it. So, um, but I've had, like I said, I've had it backfire quite a few times. <laughs> it just depends on how you look at it. Right. Yes. We've had um, grandparents who have done that too. And um, just, you know, the kids are getting older. So some of the things, toys and other things that they would have liked, um, some things have changed. So making like that contribution, no matter how small it has been, you know, it's just very, very helpful. And I think this is actually something that Kathy and I talked on our holiday gifts podcast a couple of years ago. Um, we were having a discussion about um, like what gifts to give people. And we were having this discussion about like little gifts versus bigger gifts and like, do we give cash and like, how does that work? So that one was a fun one to do. Kathy, if they, you know, it's just so funny, you know, like I was just sitting here thinking it's, it's like culturally and family is so different, you know, yes. where you come from on this. There, there, There's never been a family member that's been interested in contributing to my kids college. <laughs> And not that we haven't gotten great support in other ways, but that's not on their radar. It's really, you know, kind of interesting that way. Um, Like, like I said, my ones who are my siblings who are, who do have children, they're like, yes, please. But I have younger siblings and I, you know, I was, I was told very nicely that they would not be helping pay for my son's college. And I was like, but that's not what I'm asking you to do. It was like, you know, I felt like it was a gift instead of like a toy, you know, like this is a gift, a lifelong gift. Like this is much better. And I, it was not, um, thankfully my siblings don't really listen to our podcast. So, (laughs) but I know, but I just think, I think that one of the things that is very true is it's good to have these conversations because yes, what we grow up with is what we think is like, Oh, everybody does it this way right. because that's what we know. But yeah, in conversations about family finances, we learn that, you know, people do things in a lot of different ways. There's not a right or a wrong way. And I'm not criticizing in any way, any of our family members, this just was a different perspective and we were supported Definitely. in other ways, but not that. And, um, you know, you know, maybe if we'd been in financial straits and we had needed that help, we could have asked for it, but, and maybe they would have helped. I don't know, but um, you know, that it's just a very, I think it's interesting. You know, we, we have different expectations and different roles people play. And especially in the same family, like, you know, siblings, like, you know, yes. I think that, it's, you know, when you have similar experiences, like I said, like we were gifted this opportunity for education and then kind of blows my mind sometimes when we talk about it, I'm like, wait, why, we don't see it the same 
we grew up in the same house. The money personalities, right? right. Oh, back yes. to, you know, all those different things. And then to complicate matters, we marry somebody that wasn't raised the same way, right? So. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I think it's become such a big feud in my house is because, you know, my spouse really thinks that this importance of saving should be on retirement. And I definitely agree, but there was a time in my life after my parents died that we received um, an inheritance. And so I had really struggled with like, do I save some of this for my own retirement or do I save some of this for my kids' education? And so I think we just finally made a split. I don't think it was, you know, like 50-50, but we just had to make some choices and it was, it was kind of difficult. And it was, not, it was not a conversation I really enjoyed having. So spouses sometimes can have very differing viewpoints on this topic. I think one of the things, though, to keep in mind, too, and this wasn't really so apparent to me, you know, 20 years ago, is say, well, number one, saving money for future goals. That in itself is a step, right? We, mm-hmm. Whichever direction you're going, retirement, college education, this is all down the line, 15, yeah. 20, 30 years. Getting yourself to get into that mode, I think, is the most important part. Yes. And then, and then I do think it helps us when we have these buckets that, you know, mental accounting where we can say this money goes here and this money goes Mm -hmm. there. And I think that does make it easier for us all. But in many situations, when that time comes, you can shift dollars a little bit. So, you know, if you haven't saved as much for college, but you're full blown pulling away as much as you can for retirement, Mm -hmm. there may be a a couple of years there where you're like, okay, well, we're going to back off a little bit on the retirement savings because we need some more flexibility, I hope, with college costs. Um, But if you're in the habit of saving out of your income, at least you have that flexibility because you're in the habit of putting away those dollars. So you can shift goals a little bit. But if you haven't gotten in that habit, then it could be really challenging. Well, that was actually one of my questions I was going to ask you guys about Sorry. was, no, no, no. Jumping ahead here. No, no. It was about like, is it, is it okay to have multiple savings goals? And I, I, you know, I was hoping to hear from you guys. So that was a really great introduction to it, Kathy. So what do you think, Tamaya? Multiple goals? (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, as Kathy was talking to you about, you know, getting in that mode, I'm, I'm like searching because I know we've done so many different webinars and different workshops on helping people getting ready to make like changes in their lives as you're figuring out like what they would like to do for certain like financial goals. And we have a lot of tools for that. Um, So you can definitely check us out and check us out online. Um, If you're thinking about like, you know, developing like your savings goals, if they aren't as concrete as you would like them to be right now. But going back to Sasha's question, yes, like saving for multiple goals at a time. You know, once you're in that savings mode and you're figuring out what to do, like I know in my family personally, um, we use kind of like an online banking system that helps us to set like very specific goals that we want to accomplish. So it could be a major goal or it could be like a smaller goal and what we're contributing to that each month. And that kind of just help us um, categorize what we're trying to do. And, you know, when we accomplish like one goal, if it's a short term goal, like if we've accomplished that goal um, to see what other goals that we do have. But for long term goals, 
with like retirement savings, savings for kids, education, um, and other things related to like childcare needs, because there's so much. Um, we yes. focus a lot on making sure that we do have like those separate goals because it helps to keep us on track a lot. I, I think those are great answers to the question. Um, I think the, the question I really struggle with is, is it, is it really possible to save for multiple savings goals at the same time? especially that long-term piece, like people really struggle with that long-term piece. And even I, as an educator with a degree in personal finance, like really struggle. Um, One of the things that we did in a class that I had for behavioral economics when I was at Texas Tech was uh, we had a guest um, speaker come in that day and we actually like put our faces on the computer and then made our faces old to like kind of see what we would look like as older adults. And it really kind of uh, really struck me hard that like, if I don't save for myself, future me is going to be so mad at 20, 30, 40, 50 year old <laughs> Yeah, Like she's going to be mad. She's going to be like, I can't travel. I can't hang out with cats. I can't see my grandchildren. Like, what are you doing? Like, so it's for me, like it has to, it's, it is a mind switch like Kathy was kind of talking about, like it is a, it is something that you have to like really just put, go all in for. And I think that, I don't know, it's just something I, I really struggled with. And that's so realistic too, to think about, go ahead, Kathy. No, I think, yeah. And I think it can be paralyzing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think we look at, I I mean, I know that retirement planners like you to look at the, like, how much are you going to need and then break it down or how much are the college costs and break down. I personally find that paralyzing. Um, it's very hard to imagine, you know, especially when you're starting out and you have all these other demands to really figure that out. And so I think sometimes to get going, you almost just need to like start, like just do it. Like, yes, you know, do what you can and start making it regular and then increase it as your income goes up or, or as you, you know, as you feel more comfortable with the process of taking money out of your daily living and putting it towards some unimaginable time period. Honestly, I'm over 60 and I'm having a hard time imagining retirement. So I like that word. Unimaginable. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're 25, 35, 40, how can you imagine retirement mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. I mean, so stop trying to like figure it out and just put it away. Don't think about it. <laughs> just put it away. Yeah. And, you know, because it can be so paralyzing and we started out with very small amounts, you know, mm-hmm. and if I'd actually added it up, I would have been like, well, this isn't worth anything. It's not going to add up. Well, you know, things change and you can put away more or it does add up actually, and it makes a difference. So I do think, you know, getting past that paralysis of how to get started. It almost sounds like to me that like in the financial planning industry, like maybe we're doing it wrong. Like just from an observation, like if I tell you, Kamaya, you need $3 million to have X number of, you know what I mean? Like it just, right. it seems like maybe we're doing it the wrong way. Or maybe it works for some people, but not other people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, cause we want people to be realistic, but to, with that starting place, I don't know when you're so young, if you can be realistic. Right. And but I if you get into your fifties, you better take a check. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And I, for and sure. I always think about, you know, even like for a lot of our podcast topic and topics, 
just thinking back to like some of the people we actually serve in our local communities and some of the struggles that that folks do have yeah. to get started with that piece. So it's kind of getting um, to that place where, yes, we all have goals. People all have their goals that they want to work to towards, but um, helping to them to get started, like that piece of, you know, how do I go about this and what makes sense for me right now? We talk yeah. a lot about goal settings and can I, can I, can I make this happen right now? Is it something that I need to work with a money mentor on as I'm trying to develop Ooh. it? So we do have our money mentor program here in Illinois. We have been growing. So if you would love to learn more about us, um, you can definitely find us on our website. And I know some information will be provided in the show notes. For sure. For sure. We'll put that in the show notes. We, we love our money mentor program. So I want to go back to something you said earlier too. Um, I can't remember what spurred this thought exactly, but when through, through my um, partner in my life, it's been very important to us that not only do we save for the future, but we live our lives now yes. because let's just say given family experiences and things, that was a high priority for us. Mm-hmm. And so we really wanted to build memories. We wanted to engage in life. Now we didn't want, we never wanted to wait till we were retired to do everything. Yeah. And if that meant we had a less wealthy retirement, we were okay with that. And so while we did still, I mean, we have been and are saving for retirement, we spend money doing other things now, but I think having the security of knowing we are saving for retirement and we've saving for these other goals, like, you know, college education and things, it gave us the space to say, okay, well, this is the money we have left right now that we could spend to build memories. So we did a lot of camping with family. I mean, you know, because that kept our costs down. We still were able to do things and build memories and travel, but, you know, we always had a cooler with us so we could eat breakfast in the hotel room and things like that. I mean, (laughs) you know, which was fine. Mm -hmm. We weren't, you know, other people might be like, Ooh, a cooler. No, we're going to go out. Okay. That's fine too. But you make your choices. Right. Right. Um, you know, and so it gave us some parameters, I think maybe that's the way you think about it in which within that level, we could then go out and do the things that were important to us. Maybe we, you know, we definitely could have put it more away for college, but we didn't, it wasn't our priority at that point. Such an excellent point. And I know both Sasha and I can somehow relate to that too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sasha. No, I just, I just feel like, you know, what do you want your, I don't know. There's like some piece of me that's like, what do you want your kids to remember? Like, and I think those vacations and those memories and those experiences are way more important than any gift you could give them. So I'm not talking monetary gifts. I'm talking like gift gifts. Like, you know, I looked at my son for Christmas. We got him this really cool dinosaur and he like, now he doesn't play with it. And I'm like, dang it, this is the coolest thing ever. But you know, um, yeah, I agree with Kathy. You have to live your life too. So that's why I think I struggle sometimes with this multiple savings goal because there's sometimes it feels like there's so many buckets for me. Like, Mm -hmm. There's like a bucket for like fun <laughs> and there's a bucket for, you know, living right now. And there's a bucket for retirement. There's a bucket for, you know, child number one education. And now I got child number two coming and I'm like, there's like five buckets. How do I do all of this? And like still keep my sanity and keep us moving and keep it, you know, everything going the way it needs to be. So just a lot to think about when we're talking about this topic. 
which again comes back to like talking to your partner and trying to get on the same page. So at least you're not having conflict about it every month, you know, that you find where you're willing to compromise and work from there. And, you know, even like that point, Seisha, that's so relatable. I even think of like the the folks that I work with. And even when I talk about like different topics, like creating a spending plan or creating a budget and how people feel restrictive with like setting like some specific goals sometimes and how that can, it just, it just seems overwhelming to be thinking of like all these multiple layers that you need to focus on. So while some of us might be, have the money personality of like, oh, multiple things, I can think about this, I can think about that. Um, sometimes it's just, you got to just take a step back because it can absolutely yeah. get overwhelming. Definitely. And, and I think that's where we come back to like, what can you do? Like, you know, this year, make a goal, set a decision and do that. And then don't think about it for a year, you know, and then, you know, in a year again, reassess, where are we now? Do we want to change it? Do we want to up it? And when, when money comes, you know, when people get an inheritance or there's a raise or something, those are the times when things, you know, I think are kind of crunched again and you have to make the reassess yeah. and it's uncomfortable and it, brings up all kinds of questions or when income is lost, you know, then you have to reassess, but as much as possible, you know, knowing that you're making a decision, but set yourself a date on the calendar to reassess it and then kind of have, give yourself a little brain break. I agree. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about quickly was that I did kind of poll my Facebook friends. So I'm not going to say your name. If you listen to our podcast, you might hear your own words come out of my mouth. But, you know, I just want to make sure that everyone knows, like, it is anonymous. But some things I thought were really good was that first one of my friends talked about, like, just systematic savings. It's out of sight, out of mind. And that's something that I think Kathy and Kamaya and I can kind of all relate to and that things that we talk about when we teach, especially when we're talking about saving, period. Like, you know, I tell people to save small, but also just, like, put it away in a bank account, like you don't have access to and that you can't really touch. And it's, it's just out of sight, out of mind, it's in and out. So um, a couple other ones I thought that were good. The people said like that they had, they put 15% into retirement and they put a small amount in the 529s for their kids, but they don't really intend to pay for 100% for their college kids, college for their kids. So that was good too. Another friend said outright that she said that I've always told my kids, we will not pay for college maybe spending some money here or there as our budget allows, kind of like what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, helping where you can, but college is on them and that her retirement is first. So I was really proud of her for one, saying it on a, a public forum, saying it that way, but just, you know, it just was really interesting to see the variety of right. comments and, and things that they said. Yeah. I, I um I love this. I love these informal <laughs> survey that Seisha always pushes out. And it's great because you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what yeah. the answer is going to be. But this also really helps us to just see um, kind of like that diversity and how people are responding to, to the yes. same question. Because people's background um, and how, you know, what their experience was like, kind of like how we were talking in the beginning. Like so many things have shaped the way how they feel about retirement, how they feel about like helping kids um, through, you know, whether it's college or a trade program, um, technical mm-hmm. program as they. They, they, they graduate high school. So I love these polls. I, I just love the diversity of the responses. I do too. It was really fun to read through. It does remind me, because I failed at this, to, if you have 
children, like in high school, that you probably ought to be verbalizing some of this with your child too. Yes. You know, yeah. You know, true. like, you know, you're going to be, you know, keep your eye out for scholarships and loans because you're going to be paying for it. Or yes, we do have some money saved up, but you're also going to be needing to work. You want to make sure you're clearly disclosing that. And I, I guess I thought my sons knew, but I'll never forget when came back, like there's one of them came back, I think in their senior, beginning of senior year, end of junior year. And was like, you know, the college counselors came and talked to us about applying for college. And have you thought about that, mom? Do you have any money <laughs> saved for us? <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, we, we do need to have this conversation. <laughs> it sneaks up on you as a parent. It really does. So, you know, and yeah, I don't, you know, anyway, it was just, I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? So no, yeah. that's a good point. That's definitely a good point to make, Kathy. It's like, you know, setting the expectations early, you know, like with my friend, she's like, I, my retirement's first. Well, then you need to tell the kids that, you know, like, or if you're not, if you have some saved, you know, um, again, I think it comes back to like, we talked about um, in one of our other podcasts, like who should pay for college. And and if you want to listen to that one, that one was really fun to do and uh, have a lot of really good information about like who actually does pay for college and what does that breakdown really look like. And, um, but, you know, I think that this overall, the informal poll was fun to like read through, hear people's comments and see what their kind of their concerns were. But a lot of the concerns I heard from other people on my informal poll was that they don't think that they're saving enough Mm -hmm. um, for retirement. Like they felt like they were good for their children, whatever they decided, whether it's nothing, some or all. Right. But at the end of the day, I felt like the information I got from them was you know, they felt like they weren't saving enough. And some of the data does show that. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but I feel like client has something to say. So. No. Yeah. I, I think that's great because, you know, I think about, um, just personally, like I said, we have a 15 year old. So going back to um, even Kathy's point, um, having like that conversation. And so, um, she is, what you would describe as, you know, high achiever thoughts that she has going on Mm -hmm. and like the types of school that's on her list. Um, yeah, the types of school that's on her list. So like my partner and I, uh, like just starting out this conversation, but she's still so young to try to understand all of it, but just yeah. the baseline to know that. So for, uh, here is what you would pay for like a state school versus a prestigious school versus a Ivy League mm. school. And this is what we're contributing right now to like a state school education. So having like that conversation and trying to help her understand a little bit more, about that and it's not been easy but just like Kathy says like to try with that conversation and to have it with her over time um, so she has like a better understanding yeah so some of the data I wanted to share actually comes from comes from the report from the economic well-being of U.S. households so this was released in May 2019 it's like literally in the middle of the pandemic but I do think it's interesting to note that um, one-fourth of non-retirees required uh, indicated that they had no retirement savings so people who are not retired like us, um, you know, that had no retirement savings at all and fewer than four in 10 non-retirees felt that their retirement savings are on track. So a lot of us kind of feel the same way about it. Like I know that I do. I know that my spouse specifically does, which is why we have here. These, yes. yeah, these feuds in our house of like, 
okay, well, you know, like how much more are we going to be putting towards savings for retirement today? Um, you know, or he'll tell me things like, well, I up my retirement savings today. I'm like, cool. I'm glad that you did that on your own. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of you. I just, I, I feel like a lot of people feel the same way about this. And I think it's okay to have self-doubt about it. But I also think, you know, it's a good time to kind of reevaluate and see really where you want to go. That goes back to the point of, you know, what is enough? Yes. And, and lots of times when we, we get this question, we direct people to different retirement calculators that can help you with figuring that out. But sometimes it's just really hard to really know. So um, I can see why even in, in my family, too, we were thinking about, like, am I saving enough? Is this going to, to, to cover, like, what we actually need? And even though, again, those calculators can help, sometimes it, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I think one of them that we often refer people to I was going to say the ballpark um, calculator, but there's a new one, I think, on the FINRA page. FINRA. So maybe we can put that in the links. I'll show put it in the show notes later for yeah. those people. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, like this really is a feud in my house of like, OK, I, do I save for myself? Do I save for my kids education? Like looking at the horizon of like long term savings. This is just something that I really str- struggle with and. Um, I think a lot of other people do too. And I think at the end of the day, like there's no right or wrong answer here. Like we want you to say, I guess at the end of the day, we want you to save for retirement. One of the better quotes I found, or one of the quotes that like really struck me when we did the informal interview, what, or the informal survey was about, um, you know, your kids can get a loan for their education, but you can't really get a loan for your retirement. So just, you know, being mindful of that, like, Mm -hmm. You know, you are saving for you, future you. So do you want future you to be mad? Like at the end of the day, I guess that's a good, good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, it really struck me. It kind of, it made me think like, oh, maybe I'm not saving enough for my retirement. And then I, you know, had that conversation with my spouse about it. But as we begin to wind down, I just want to, you know, again, there's no right or wrong answer here. You know, a lot of our experiences are based on our past, you know, like what, how we paid for college, how we pay our, you know, taking care of our children. And it does, a lot of it comes back to our values and things that we, you know, care about. So I just want to thank Kathy and Kamaya for feuding with me today. Yes, um, I am holding out a lot of hope that things will change legislatively when it comes to education and paying for that. So um, parents don't have to make some of the tough choices that they're currently making. So I'm holding out hope for that. And this was such a great conversation. And I think, you know, referring back to some of that podcast that we did where we talked about different ways to pay for college, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there it, it does. I think typically we know it doesn't come from one source. So that's something else to keep in mind. I think it's real important. It's hard to think long-term. That's what it comes right down to, right? Mm -hmm. We we want to do things now. Sometimes we don't have a lot of flexibility in our incomes and we, you know, we don't, I mean, these choices are almost made for us because of living expenses and things. But mm-hmm. um, when you get a little flex, that's when you want to start trying to think for that long term. Yeah. And, it, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, the only thing you take away from this podcast is start, start small, put it away, 
you know, just get it going no matter what bucket of money you're putting it into, just get, get it going. So that's all yeah. we, we hope for you guys. So thank you for listening today. Hopefully you learned something new and until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Views. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.